0: Thank you for pushing that button. This is Mitch Day's Storytime. Hi there, and welcome to Episode 7. Episode 7 is a short story that I've written for a brilliant actor and narrator, Amy Scanlon. Uh, Amy is an actor who currently lives in New York City. New York. She lives in New York. New York City. With her partner and little pooch, Addie, um, or Cariad, to give her full name. Little, little sausage thing. She looks like a baby seal. She does. Um, and, um, yes, so Amy in uh, in lovely New York um she's uh, actually uh welsh uh but uh, used to live in surrey and uh, we knew each other from university anyway um we don't need our life histories do you but um amy is a fantastic narrator i love her i love her voice and um i wrote this short story specifically for her um and i think she's done a fantastic job of it i hope that you think so too um looking forward to this one um i will speak to you after you hear from amy
1: Dreaming the Life by Mitch Day Read by Amy Scanlon This is a confession and a warning. When I was six and a half years old I found something. Something very unusual indeed. An artefact of such value. Grown men had been driven mad searching their entire lives for it without any shred of success. It's called, I later discovered, a Berulian, and it's unclear exactly who created them, or indeed how. Some scientists believe the Aztecs had some part to play. It's always the Aztecs, actually, isn't it? Maybe because it sounds reasonably plausible, and it's difficult to disprove. The Aztecs built the pyramids, drained the swamps, and invented the toffee crisp, I think, so... It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Others have theorized that the Berulian were originally intended to adorn the throne of a Byzantine emperor. The unusual markings, however, failed to completely or satisfactorily link to any known civilization, so studies are limited and inconclusive. What, of course, the experts definitely do not know is that I have one. I do but by the time you hear this recording, I will have hidden it where it will never be found. For reasons I will now explain. I'm guessing this is probably the first time you've heard of a Berulian. Well, when I explain what its purpose is, you'll probably think you'd like to possess one of your own. Which is why it's very important that you keep... Listening until the very end. At this very moment, has sat quite comfortably in an old tin I received in exchange for coupons, found on the lids of my favourite breakfast cereal back when they used to do that sort of thing. If Snap, Crackle and Pop had any idea what was hidden beneath their smiling faces, they wouldn't look so carefree. I look at them now and I wonder which one of the three would break first. I imagine it would be Pop. He would smother Snap in his sleep and put a shotgun to Crackle's head to get his greasy little hands on it for himself. He would. I found the Berulian on the beach during a family trip to Bognor Regis. It was early in the evening and my parents, miniature Schnauzer Toby and my older brother Tommy, were searching for crabs and other marine life in the rock pools whilst I stood having a massive tantrum on my own. This, I'm afraid, happened fairly frequently during my childhood. I had wanted ice cream. I had wanted arcades. I had wanted the indoors. I had wanted a plastic bow and arrow. The answer? No. No, 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 no. And I, at six and a half, was furious. I stood there seething, perfectly rigid with my arms at my sides like angry little crutches holding up the face of an angry troll. My family were enjoying themselves without me, waiting as they always did for me to call off and join in with them once I realised the tantrum would not get me what I wanted. I stood there refusing to break from my protest for an impressively long amount of time, I recall. I wanted them to be really sorry for upsetting me, I planned to hide whilst they weren't looking so they would freak out and have to immediately run to find me. That would get their attention for sure, I thought. But before I could put my plan into action, a shiver travelled up my entire body as the icy waves covered my ankles. I was close to giving up the whole rage and fury thing at that moment just to go join in with my family when I felt something hit my right foot. And there it was. Now. I know what you're thinking. This is just like the kids at the end of that Jumanji film finding the evil board game washed up on the beach at the end, but there is one critical difference here. Jumanji is fiction. It's just a film. This, this is what happened to me. This was real. This really happened, and... As such, this confession means my life is about to change rather substantially, and in order to prevent rioters trampling my rhododendrons, I must insist that I no longer have it. By the time you hear this, it will be gone. And believe me when I tell you, you don't really want it. You really, really do not. If I were to open the old Rice Krispies tin and run my fingers across the artefact inside, it would feel smooth and rough in patches, like a heavily polished wood that has had some of its luxury worn away. It's about big enough to fill an adult's hand, and curls in and around itself, a little like a shell. I wondered if it was an ocarina at first, which I'd seen before at school. I've googled pictures of them since, and researched other sightings of them too, but... They are nearly always broken or fake and display no real signs of magic. As far as I know, mine is the only example of a fully functioning, mostly undamaged Berulian. The small number of research papers about these artefacts say things like once believed to conjure the dreams of the royal family or created in the belief that fantasies could be made real. So potent was its real power that I feel, if my willpower suddenly collapsed, it would still work today. There have been times I've been tempted very recently just to lift the lid a little, just to see if its power could be wielded with greater success. I fear I'm losing the battle now, which is why when I rid the world of it later tonight, it will be beyond even my own reach. Boy... You've no idea the favour I'm doing you. The closest anyone else has got was the affair at the British Museum in 2006, but whoever those thieves were, they would have been very disappointed. I saw it a few years before it was taken, actually. Its glass container simply labelled a Berulian, artefact of unknown origin, but I knew better. A partial Berulian would have been more accurate missing many of its sigils and curved parts long broken away. Anyway, I fear I must get right to the business of its power and what it did in its brief time with my family. Those within a decent proximity to it when it's not encased in metal will find their desires and deepest longings suddenly becoming real. Let me tell you, whoever came up with the phrase, be careful what you wish for, was not wrong. We start slowly, small things here and there that are almost logical and believable as coincidences. It were as though it were scanning my family and I on our trip back to Hemel Hempstead that day and simply biding its time. I watched in awe as tiny flecks of light, completely unnoticed by the others, flurried from its centre and rested on their skin, before sinking in. I can't believe it! Dad exclaimed on finding the M25 completely empty. Mum and Dad were thrilled with that, until we heard on the radio that several freak accidents had blocked almost every other junction into the motorway. Every junction, except for two. The one we entered on, and the one we exited by. Still... We made it home in record time. On arrival home, we walked into our familiar surroundings to find a very unfamiliar sight. David Hasselhoff, yes, the Hoff himself, was sat in our kitchen in full Night Rider costume. Julia, baby, he said softly on seeing my mother. At that age, I don't think I really realised that my mum had an actual name. She was just mum. And David was a man off the telly, she fancied. I suppose it would have been weirder if he'd called her mum too. Anyway, not the point. David Wasselhuff, My father almost choked on the name. Mum's handbag fell to the floor with a thud. Barry, is that really who I... Is that really who I think it is? <laughs> I think so, he said and together they gawped at him as though it were the second coming. Tommy, my brother, ran upstairs because he could hear someone in his bedroom. Like a lot of 17-year-old boys, he was very possessive about his room, and anyone, especially me, touching his things. At the time, I had no idea what he found up there. Whilst my parents were distracted with the hoff. My father was actively trying to keep his hands from caressing my mother. My own head was turned to the living room, which was now filled with flashing, buzzing, noising and very exciting arcade machines. I remember so clearly standing there gazing on them. I don't think I've ever felt that excited about anything since. Bit sad, really. But true. True and before I could even beg my parents for a 50p piece to change into 25 2p pieces to use the machines, I found a bow and arrow on the settee as well. I was thrilled. I drew the bow and sent the arrow flying right into Mrs Pac-Man dead centre screen. I was a little shocked. I'd only ever had a plastic one before with a little rubber plunger. This one was real. The dog barked at the flashing machines for a few moments until Toby found his woof turned into a loud neighing. My mouth opened in shock as I watched his little padded feet turn into hooves, his stumpy tail into long rainbow hair, and a horn suddenly shot from his forehead. To this day, I don't know whether the unicorn was my fantasy brought to life or the dog's. Upstairs, Tommy told me recently, my brother opened his bedroom door to find Hamish his imaginary Scottish boyfriend he'd been daydreaming about on the car ride home. At the time, none of us knew he was gay. We certainly didn't know he spent hours daydreaming about a handsome and sweet boyfriend with a kilt. Whilst the rest of us were dashing about in chaotic criss-crossing fantasies downstairs, my brother was having his first kiss, and he said, the only happy moment of all his teenage years said he's never seen anyone as beautiful as Hamish since. Downstairs, my mother was now in a ball gown, somehow, giggling and being chased in circles around an air hockey table by the Hoff. You're so beautiful, baby. Oh, David, you're terrible. When I catch you, I'm going to take you to L.A. with me forever, he said, which I found creepy, so I dashed off to find my father. Dad was on his knees in the kitchen and... Crying, resting his head in the apron of woman I only knew from old photographs. It was his mum, my grandmother, who died long before I was even born. I'd never seen my dad cry before, so it was quite a sight. My grandmother ran her painted fingernails through what was left of his hair, and made comforting sh noises. She smiled. Her curled hair, rosy cheeks, and soft makeup emanated a feeling of calm. It even felt like I knew her. And we'd never even met. On the television, horrible reports about traffic accidents that had given us a speedy trip home frightened me. Concerned faces in the crowd were lit by the blue ambulance and police lights, and their sobs were drowned by the sirens. Then, the loud bang came. I hurried to the window and was shocked to find number 37 and number 38 across the road were on fire. The two houses had hated one another for years, so their greatest wish was clearly to destroy one another. But to go that far? Did the Berulian not understand that fantasies and aspirations were two very different things? That fantasies, above all, should be safe and without repercussions? Okay, obviously I didn't know that when I was six and a half. This is all me now talking, obviously. In my backpack, a bright green light was shining on and off. The beryllium was inside beating like a heart, emanating loads more of those tiny little particles like bits of pollen drifting out from the artefact, passing right through the walls, through the brick and the carpet, but not, I noticed, the radiator against which my backpack was resting. I reached inside and grabbed it, feeling immediately the energy and power that was pulsing out of it with each throb. I held it closer to the radiator and noticed the particles were reflected from the painted metal surface. It's pretty impressive that me, a a six-and-a-half-year-old, could work out that quickly that the metal was the answer to blocking its magic. I looked at my grandmother comforting my father and wondered if she would remain if the artefact was gone. I looked at the unicorn in the hallway defecating and piercing holes in our family portraits with its horn and wondered how we'd explain his growth spurt. And the worst bit. I heard my mum say that yes, she would go to LA with the Hof and live with him forever. The fire brigade arrived across the street with a loud siren that frightened me. Mum, I said. But she didn't say anything. Wouldn't even look at me. Mummy, I said more urgently. Then I did what I always did when my mum was unresponsive. Dad! I yelled into the kitchen where he and my grandmother remained. Dad, please! But it was no good. On the beach... I had wished that my family couldn't see me to force them to be upset, and now, now it was true. I ran to the Tupperware cupboard next to the sink and got out my Rice Krispie metal tin from inside it. I removed the ramekins my mother had clumsily stored within it and replaced them with the Berulian, shoving the beating artifact inside with force and firmly closing the lid. I closed my eyes so tightly it hurt, and in full Wistavos style I repeated to myself, make it all go away, make it all go away, make it all go away. But before I dared to look, all went quiet. My mother was lying on the sofa looking rather confused. Dad was clinging to his mother's now unoccupied apron, and unbeknownst to any of us, My brother Tommy was staring at the empty space that Hamish, the perfect boyfriend he had dreamt into life, had sat a moment before. He told me that he felt even lonelier in that moment than he had done before. And all he had ever felt up to that point was loneliness. First loves do hurt, don't they? especially ones that only last 37 minutes. (laughs) Outside, the flames had thankfully diminished to the confusion of the fire brigade, who'd yet to spray anything on it whatsoever. The two warring families now stood together as equals, having faced the same trauma together and come through. They were changed for the better. Perhaps the brief madness caused by my discovery had one positive outcome. For them. The dog sat confused and slightly traumatised in a pile of horse poo larger than his torso. Doesn't sound believable, does it? The very reason I've never told anyone before now. I definitely hadn't dreamt it. I know, because our family had been changed that day by the artefact, and for a long while, the strange experience left a mark on us and a fear that it may have been real, vested away beneath the surface. Perhaps through fear of personal madness, they never mentioned it. Or maybe fear of it being validated. Who knows? But it wasn't until our parents had both gone that my brother and I finally shared our experiences and got the closure we needed. Tommy had not imagined Hamish. At all. Well, okay, yes, he had done originally, but... The dream boyfriend, for a time, had been real. A Berulian reads your desires and interprets them in its own way a little like a dream that becomes a nightmare halfway through. I taped it up with duct tape in that Rice Krispie tin and hid it away underneath my bed for years and years where it remained to this very day. It could sell for thousands to a museum, but... I could never sell it unless I had somehow discovered how to render it inert before it does any more damage. It would be worth millions if I were to sell it on the black market. Some rich fool would pay every penny to have it without a care for the fact that it would destroy them and everyone else nearby. I'm afraid to admit that even I am too weak to let myself keep it any longer. I'd love to tell you that I had not seen it since that day, not dared reopen it. That, however, would be a lie. Who on earth could resist that kind of power? No, I am no angel. And I confess the tin has been opened on more than one occasion of desperation. When remembering its cost had eluded my conscience. But those are confessions for another day. For now, just know that you will never find it. Never possess it. And no amount of money or torture will enable me to show you the way to find it either. I only hope that I have the strength to follow through with the plan. I only hope that I will not allow myself to give in. Please, do not try to find it. Please, do not try to find me. Please, God, give me the strength to do the right thing. And then, and only then, I will tell you the rest. I'll tell you everything. Because if it were not for the corruption of that power, the world today would a better and safer place, indeed.
0: So that was Dreaming the Life. Now, I hope you got the title. It's called Dreaming the Life, as in it's the opposite of living the dream. I'm a little worried that nobody would get that, which is why I'm now explaining it to you. (laughs) Um, So obviously it's not that great if I have to explain it. Um, But yes, that's what it is. Dreaming the life. Because the Berulian. And um, have you Googled Beryllium, by the way? It's not Beryllium off of the periodic table fame. Um, And if you Google it, you'll find that, yes, they don't exist. But this is fiction. This is fiction. I'm sure it's not like the uh, the War of the Worlds where you're all suddenly scrambling to try and buy one on eBay um, or, or jumping off a cliff or something like that. Or hopefully not. Anyway, maybe you are. Uh, anyway, thank you to Amy lovely Amy, for lending me her vocal talents for this, uh, story. Um, although I had written it for her specifically, so she was kind of emotionally obliged. Um, but thank you anyway, Amy, for all your hard work. I hope no York, I hope no York is okay. Um, and, uh, I hope everybody listening to the podcast is in a state of calm, um, and, uh, Hopefully, uh, happiness and everything. Um, Please review this podcast if you have not already. Five stars, please. And, um, you know, uh, yes, review five stars. Or if you're listening on a non-Apple place, then whatever the equivalent is. 100%, 10 stars, whatever. Um, And, uh, yes, please tell others to listen. Uh, because what we need at the moment is escapism, and what better way than stories, and um, and stuff and thing? Yeah, blah blah blah. Anyway, we shall be back later on with episode eight. Because anything else would be stupid. Goodbye.
2: Okay, are you ready, Saruman? I am always ready for karaoke Gandalf. Oh well, yes, very good. Okay, here we go. Now um I'll just load the track and then uh and then you can wow us with your singing voice. I'm so excited. I'm so happy you agreed to this. I am indifferent, Gandalf, but here we go. I'm ready, when do I come in, is it now, I, I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me, and if we go someplace to dance I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. And though it's just a line to you, for me it's true, and never seemed so right before. I practice every day to find some clever lines to say to make the meaning come true. But then I think I'll wait until the evening gets late and I'm alone with you. We are never alone, Gandalf, the time is right, your perfume fills my head. The stars get red, and not oh, know, the night's so blue. And then I go and spoil it all by killing all the hobbits and the humans too. No, 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 stop it. Those are not the words, Saruman, and you know it.